Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish back here with you, of course, with all of the news in baseball. We'll get back to that in just a second. I know I'm really excited about that. Uh, I know that our guest Matt Sells is really excited, although he is essentially Fantasy Alarm's NASCAR expert, and he's going to break everything down for the weekend race with us coming up here in a second. I know, Matt, that you're a huge baseball fan, so certainly the most encouraging news that we've seen about baseball in the last 24 hours. It certainly seems at some point you're going to have to start getting your uh, baseball hat on again here soon uh yeah it's definitely uh exciting um that they finally decided to get their heads together there and actually meet in person apparently um to sort this thing out uh so yeah uh, i'm very excited that uh, the news is so optimistic uh, at this point for baseball yeah, it looks, uh, it looks real good for us, and certainly we'll cover it for you every step of the way for sure. Uh, but we know that coming up on Sunday, Matt, we got a really big race coming up, and uh, the Geico 500, I want to get to that. But we've got a lot of different things that I want to get to uh, get to here with you before we get to that race and sort of, you know, kind of where we stand in the NASCAR season. And you've been so good at helping us and picking out some winners. Um, the FanDuel has released odds. Uh, for the NASCAR Cup Series champion at this point. So I wanted to just show people and run these down a little bit. And you tell me, um, you know, you can either have a pick, not have a pick. Maybe you have an opinion. If there's a lean somewhere else, let's just kind of run through it real quick. And and I and I think at this point, I think we know who the major players are. We just don't yeah, know I mean, who's going we don't, we don't to win. through uh, the regular yeah. season at this point. So Yeah, and we don't know who's going to win, I don't think, Matt. But we do know that based on the odds, they're all bunched together. So let's take a look at it. Uh, Chase Elliott's plus 550. Denny Hamlin plus 550. Kevin Harvick is plus 550. Uh, Joey Logano is plus 650. Kyle Busch is plus 650. And if you go to the FanDuel Sportsbook, clearly there are some other long shot odds at this point. And so when I look at odds like this, Matt, here's what it tells me. I don't know who's going to win, but it sure seems like it's going to be one of these few guys. So which way should we lean? Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty impressive that they're that bunch together, um, it does make sense to me. Those have consistently been, if you take Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, and Joey Logano, those have pretty much been the four fastest cars on the track just about every week at this point, regardless of if it's been uh, a super speedway or an intermediate track or a one-mile track or you know varying kinds of tracks. Those guys have all shown up uh, about the same. So... Um, you know, you also have to take into account where the championship race is going to be run at the end of this year. It's changed from Homestead, Miami, which is what it previously had been for more than a decade. Now it's going to shift to Phoenix at the end of this year, or otherwise known as ISM Raceway. And those four guys tend to be really good at that racetrack as well. So I think that's playing into it a little bit. They're, they're you know, looking at, okay, these are the top of the point standing guys right now. They don't show any signs of slowing down. Uh, Denny Hamlin's been in the championship hunt each of the last four years. Joey Logano won the championship uh, two years ago. Uh, Kyle Busch won it last year. Chase Elliott's been pretty close to being in the championship hunt. Um, So, you know, if I had to lean right now, based on how they've looked and where the uh, championship races, I would lean towards Kevin Harvick at this point. All right. Well, uh, Harvick has uh, been your guy from the beginning, and you know, you know, certainly we'll see what happens as the races continue. Speaking of which, coming up on Sunday, Matt, we have the Geico 500. Before we dive into the odds there, tell us a little bit about the race coming up this weekend. Yeah. First of all, I want to say that this is possibly the most ironically named, uh, or Depending on how you want to look at it, it's either the most ironically named or aptly named race of the season. Uh, Geico, obviously, an insurance company. Talladega Super Speedway is where the race is this week. That's known for massive wrecks. Um, To give you an idea, over the last 10 years or so, um, you know, basically 60 to 70 percent of the cars that have run in those races have been involved in accidents. Okay, Mm. it's a wreck fest. It's simply because of the style of racing they do at the track. Um, It's known as pack racing, where you'll see a lot of two by two uh, action. It's basically the same as Daytona 
uh, for those of you that tuned in and watched the Daytona 500 back in February, uh, you see a lot of the same similar races uh, at Talladega as you do at Daytona. So there's a lot of wrecks. So that's why I always get a kick that it's called the Geico 500 because there's a lot of cars to fix uh, after this after this race. Um, that being said, it's kind of a race that it's anybody's to win. And I know we use that cliche in sports and whatever quite a lot, but this is truly anybody's race to win. Last year uh, in you know the spring race at Talladega, the race ended under caution. Chase Elliott won the race. Um, Alex Bowman finished second. At the July Daytona race, uh, which I was privy to be at, um, Justin Haley won in his first ever cup race at Daytona. He was going off as like a plus 7,000 odds uh, before the race started, and he wound up winning because everybody crashed out and he kept moving up. And then the guy in front of him uh, pitted in a bad time to pit, and Justin Haley wound up winning when they called it for rain. So... Um, these are the kind of races where you see a lot of long shots win. Um, and a lot of guys that have like one or two wins in the cup series generally have come at super speedway. Um, so it's kind of one of those tracks where it gets a little tricky to just say, Oh, well we could just play the, the front runners. Um, cause they'll be good. Not, not necessarily. Right. Well, I mean, maybe it's a stay away then this weekend. Here are the odds uh, on FanDuel. And as Matt said, aptly put, with all the uh, with all the odds here, there really is no favorite. Keselowski's ten to one, Chase Elliott ten to one, uh, Denny Hamlin ten to one, Logano ten to one, and then Harvick and Kyle Busch are eleven to one. We stopped there, but there were odds, uh, Matt, for guys at twenty and and thirty to one too. Yeah, uh, maybe it's throwing a dart there as opposed to taking uh, one of these and taking a chance. But it sounds like it's pretty wide open. It is very wide open. Um, if I would have to lean on uh, quote unquote favorites, and I know 10 to 1 is a pretty steep favorite, but that's kind of where the odds lay right now this week. Um, I would go with either Brad Keselowski or Joey Logano. They tend to be very good plate racers. Um, Fords in particular are very good at Talladega. They both drive for Team Penske, which is a Ford team. Um, so I would tend to lean there if we're going for the favorites, but again, I just stated that in July, Justin Haley won at Daytona. He was sure. going off as a massive, um, you know, a, a massive underdog. In terms of DFS, the best plays are typically the guys that start 28th or worse in terms of highest scoring DFS plays that you can play um, because they tend to just hang out in the back and avoid the crashes that happen in front of them and then move up because everybody that was in front of them is now off the track because they Makes crashed sense. out of the race. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the way that these tend to work. So that would be right. my lean right now for the for the bets. Well, let's uh, let's also look at the uh, uh, FanDuel's uh, DFS and and here are the top priced guys: uh, Chase Elliott thirteen thousand three hundred, Logano's at thirteen, Hamlin at twelve seven, Keselowski twelve four. So uh, I mean, it feels like. I mean, look, you've been really good with the DFS, Matt, but it feels like this is a pretty much boomer bust week. It's like maybe you have a shot to win, but if you don't, we really can't hold it against you because it feels like somebody may come out of nowhere. Would you would you pay up? I mean, who who is the guy that you'd pay up for this weekend in the so, DFS circuit? So typically the way I build lineups for plate races, as they're known, because there used to be restrictor plates in the engines, now there's not, but they still race the same way. So Daytona and Talladega are the plate races. The way I typically build... Um, for those, if you're going to play a cash game contest, which is like a double up or a 50-50, um, I literally just pick the guys that are starting in the fifth or sixth worst starting spots and put them in a lineup and then just set it and forget it, essentially. Or you can play guys that are starting like 28th or worse. Um, you're going to see a lot of salary left on the table this week on FanDuel and DraftKings. Um, generally speaking, my cash lineups for this week leave at least $10,000 on the table. Um, depending on how the salaries shake out. So, but on FanDuel, it's very easy to fit anybody you want to uh, this week for sure. So if I was going to pay up, um, I tend to pay up for one guy who's going to start in the top 10. Um, I would probably pay up for Joey Logano um, or Chase Elliott. Those two guys have been very good at this track of late. So I would pay up for those two guys. And then other than that, I would go... Uh, and just put everybody starting like 28th or worse in the lineup and then just wait for the wrecks to happen. 
All right. And uh, before we go, uh, give us a little preview of what's to come here on the NASCAR circuit after Talladega on Sunday. So after Talladega on Sunday, which, by the way, if you're interested in having a fun time on Father's Day watching a bunch of cars wreck, no better time to do it than watch it on, <laughs> right. on Sunday afternoon. Uh, there will actually be fans in the stands. Again, there's 5,000 fans that are going to be in the, in the stands for Talladega race, so that'll be cool. Uh, the following weekend is actually a doubleheader cup weekend. There's a race on Saturday the 27th of June and a race on sa- Sunday the 28th of June, both at Pocono Raceway. Uh, so that'll be really interesting because they haven't done two races back to back in two days uh, at a at the same track in the Cup Series before. Uh, so that'll be fun. And then after that, we get some tracks like Kentucky and Texas. And uh, immediately following Pocono, you get Indianapolis Motor Speedway on Fourth of July weekend. Um, so that's what's coming up there. They do, they also just announced they moved the uh, All Star Race from Charlotte Motor Speedway to Bristol. So if we like the short track racing we got a couple of weeks ago, we're going to get short track racing for the all-star race uh, with, it doesn't count for any points for the cup series, but there's a million dollars on the line. So, you know, racing furiously for a million dollars is always a good thing. And there's supposed to be 30,000 fans in the stands. So we'll see how, we'll see how that goes uh, at that point. Are you, are you going to any races this year? Or are you going to stay home? Um, we'll have to see the closest, uh, there are a few races coming my way here, um, as the summer continues and as we move into fall with Kansas, uh, Kansas is still keeping a couple of races. Um, I could make it down to Texas. They're supposed to be letting some fans in the stands. I haven't decided if I'm going yet. I don't know if I want to risk it, frankly. Um, Mm -hmm. but maybe by the time the fall happens, we'll see what, what's going on at that point. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, look, I mean, fans are uh, back in a lot of places uh, in limited numbers at the very least. And NASCAR is no different, of course. I mean, my podcast partner, Dan Malin, is going to the Talladega race on Sunday. Oh, there you go. Because he lives in Atlanta and they allowed fans within a 150 mile radius of Talladega, which for those that don't know, is in the northeast corner of Alabama. It's about 100 miles west of Atlanta. Uh, So he, he got himself a ticket and he's going. All right. Well, uh, we'll check Dan out this weekend. Also, check out Matt at the Selzman on Twitter and at Fantasy Alarm for uh, all of Matt's great work on the NASCAR. And, of course, uh, if you want to watch our show on demand, you can go back and watch everything that Matt just talked about. Gave you a few different options to win the Cup, DFS, uh, to win the race coming up this Sunday. As Matt said, this may be one you got to be a little bit more careful of due to everything that is going on, certainly, uh, uh, at Talladega with all the massive wrecks and crashes. Matt, thanks again for coming on. Appreciate it. Sure thing. Always a fun time. All right. That's Matt Sells from Fantasy Alarm. We will take a quick time out. More baseball discussion coming up next. Also, of course, odds from everything else going on, even a little football. You're watching SportsGrid. This is Fantasy Sports Today. I'm Craig Mish. We'll bring Joe Pizabia back in just a couple of minutes here on this Thursday edition of the show. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Yeah, welcome back. Thanks to Matt Sells for coming on the show. Big NASCAR race coming up this Sunday. Hopefully you guys can take advantage of some of that information, the FanDuel Sportsbook always adding odds, and yesterday was no different, as uh, they can't hide them from me. I go on to the <laughs> FanDuel Sportsbook, and uh, I don't just click on that front page. I'm clicking in and out and boosting and looking at all around on that site to see if there's some things that I'm missing, and there certainly uh, were a few things that I have missed. In fact, they have futures odds to make or not make the playoffs for every NFL team up now. So we'll dive into that in a little bit. Of course, I'm sure we'll, uh, with the baseball announcements coming, we'll have uh, some baseball odds to discuss as well here on the show, potentially maybe some win totals in this uh, in this shortened season. So a lot of fun coming for you guys. If you could just be patient for like another day, I think we'll have all of that. So uh, let's go uh, back to NFL here just for this segment in particular, and let's talk about naming the finalists. Now, I will say this. This is impossible. So uh, this is this this is guessing. Hey, good night, folks. That's been us. We hope you enjoy this is guessing. today. This is this, impossible. This, this is guessing. Okay, there is yeah. no one in the world that can now look. You you can take shots here. Sure. But th- but this is essentially 
looking at these odds and hoping because anything can happen. And literally, uh, you know, very, very rarely does anybody even get the Super Bowl team, the Super Bowl team right at the beginning of the year, let alone get both teams right playing for the championship. So we're going to go through these. But keep this in mind, folks, if you are out there and you're thinking about placing a wager and your average bet is one hundred dollars. And that's your average bet, let's say. You should not be putting $100 on this. This is not one of those. Maybe $10. Do you take 10%, take 5%. But this, this is not the one that I would advise because even if— This is fun here, I think, on these bets. It's Actually, fine. This but but, but even, if you're, even if you're right, you're still wrong. You got lucky here. So just keep this in mind because it's this is— Can it's I get wild. that on a T-shirt? Even if I'm right, I'm still wrong? I feel like— <laughs> You would wear that very well. Yes, uh, no, I'm never right. Craig knows I've never been right about so, anything. I'm the so worst. Keep in mind that before we look at these odds, there are no favorites— there's mm-hmm. no two to one, three to one, four to one, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. No favorites, no fifteen to one. Okay, we are basically it is all long shots. FanDuel recognized that, so I at least have to gamble responsibly with you guys here on this show by telling you that any information that I am providing to you on this particular wager here is a guess. That's it. I can give you the positives and negatives and play the sides, but I am guessing here. So uh, you know. Make sure you don't come back to me in six months and say, hey, Craig, you said to take Chief Seahawks at 40 to one. No, I didn't. I said that. Yes, he did, everyone. Everyone, I just want you to know. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Got to be a little careful here. I got people throwing bad money at this. But here's what FanDuel says about the odds to uh, get to the Super Bowl. These are the finalists for the Super Bowl. Here we go. Uh, Chiefs 49ers. This sounds familiar. Yes, I'm sure it does, because this was the Super Bowl uh, matchup from last year, which almost never happens. The next- yeah, I can't believe this is the best odds. This is the this is mind-blowing to me. How often do we get the same Super Bowl? I mean, never. you have to go back to what? Buffalo versus Dallas? Right? It never happens. No, but- well, it does happen. Buffalo versus... I just said... <laughs> Again, I know I'm right sometimes. Yeah, 30 Buffalo years Dallas. ago. Yeah. Right, but I'm just saying that's the last time, right? I'm, not, I'm Am I crazy or am I... Am, right? It's probably right. I mean, okay. New England New England got there a million times. Yeah, I, but they didn't it, face the same it, opponent two times in a row. Right, so that's it. Yeah, they played they played the Giants. Well, and in all fairness, in the last 20 years, if you just put New England and somebody, you are right almost 50% of the time. So, you know, just like and, going, and I'm going to guess by the way that the odds were probably a lot lower than they are here. Now. I would I would imagine, I yeah, you're probably in the teens, I would imagine, right? Probably Maybe. 15 or something. Doesn't it seems like this is nuts? But uh, Chiefs, let's go back to it. Chiefs 49ers okay. 20 to one, Ravens 49ers 22 to one. So if you believe that the Chiefs are the favorite, and and you and you want to go off the data that Joe just provided, which is accurate, then it may be Chiefs and someone else. Is that someone else the Saints at 28 to one? We certainly could circle that one. Uh, Chiefs versus the Buccaneers. At 29 to 1, this is like, uh, just take my money. If I mean, seriously, like, not my money, your money. I, there's no way I would put anything on this. This is the NFL's wet dream, though, isn't it? When you think about it, like, if, no. if the NFL could script one, this is what they'd want. They want Tom Brady there with another team and that storyline against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and that storyline of the defending champions. Man, the only thing outside of Drew Brees that I can imagine they'd want is this one. I just I just can't believe that the the idea that Tom Brady makes a six win team a fourteen win team. Well, he is the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, that does stand was, for something. He was. Uh, <laughs> Ravens and the Saints thirty to one, and then Ravens and the Buccaneers at thirty one to one. So from the first list, if there's a, a dart throw for me, it's Chiefs Saints. That's the that's the direction that I would go. Chiefs and Saints of all of these, but again, this is just literally uh, guessing. The only the only caveat to this is again the Ravens uh, host the Chiefs this year during the regular season. If the Ravens were to beat the Chiefs and get the home field and beat and play the Chiefs in the conference finals, remember we're not looking at who's going to win or lose. We're looking at who would be the favorite, and the Ravens would be the favorite. And a, and a much more significant favorite, even on this board, if I were to tell you that the Ravens beat the Chiefs during the regular season, the Ravens would become the favorite here. But obviously, we're not going to do that, and the Chiefs are the defending champs. So I'll go Chiefs-Saints. I know it's all convoluted, <laughs> but that's I'll, I'll stop with that. 
I, I, I was taking notes the whole time. Boy, Craig's going to need a couple segments off after that. I just think he went cross-eyed trying to go through the logic there. That was that was fantastic stuff. I'm, I'm telling you, you should be nominated for an Emmy you know, for that. That was really good. Uh, uh, I, think, I think you have very good um, rational thinking there uh, with all of that. But I'm going to throw some rational thinking aside a little bit. And uh, I'm going to say, uh, give me, I don't know, it's not on the board here. But I'd like to see uh, Ravens and Seahawks. I don't know why. I'm just getting a Russell Wilson feeling. It is on the, the board, NFC. but it's much deeper. It's, it is much go, deeper. We, we would be here for three hours. Doing we were three hours if we got to that one? Well, I mean, Ravens and Seahawks doesn't seem like it would be that far down. I mean, it's not like it I'm asking for the Jaguars down. versus the Bears or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> very far down. <laughs> it's the reality. It's very far down. All right. Well, here, here's, here's I'll tell you two. what. One, one, thing, one more ahead. thing on this. Ravens Saints, to me, that's the one where I think – you know, right, I'm gonna so you like I'm, the Ravens. That's fine. I, I like the Ravens a little bit more than the Chiefs, only because of the okay, defensive fair. side. And and I think that they learned a lot last year. They had everything in their grasp, and then they got kicked in the teeth there. They two week layoff hurt them, and it was a really good learning experience. I don't think they're gonna make the same mistake twice. So I'm just putting that out there. Okay. And I think eventually the Saints, that roster's got to win out eventually. The last two years have been brutal. All right, now, uh, if you want to take a deeper shot, we got uh, here's page two of this. We have the Chiefs Cowboys at 33 to one. Ravens Cowboys at 36 to one. Again, you're pl- you're paying Dallas Cowboys tax here. How an eight and eight team could be favored is or be close to. <laughs> I'm just is. thinking the same thing. I was like, man, that's wow. it. You're paying the Cowboys tax. That's what it is. Uh, Chiefs and Eagles 38 to one. Ravens and Eagles 40 to one. Chiefs and Seahawks 40 to one. I believe that your Ravens Seahawks is uh, 50 to one. So mm, that's a fun ten dollar bet though, just for S's and G's. I mean, why not? Ten dollars, you know? no problem. Ten bucks, throw it on there. Hey, that's a nice no, day. Right I have there. no problem with any bet for ten dollars well, in particular a, on this one here. Here's a question: If you have a really good feeling about, and I and I mean this, <laughs> I'm gonna set you up, Ricky Bobby style, with all due respect. I'm, I'm gonna ask you this question, Craig. With all, and I mean with all due respect. But I want to know, like, if you have a really good feeling about a team in one of these conferences, let's say you love the Chiefs, you think the Chiefs are going to be there, would it be smart to maybe take 10 bucks and put it on the top three teams you think are going to come from the NFC potentially no. and kind of you cover take yourself? The Chiefs, you take the Chiefs at that point. That's you it. Just take you, don't, the you don't get like crazy. That. No, you take the Chiefs straight up. But is it crazy just for a $10 bet on an odds like that, on a 40 to 1 odds or something like I, that? If you feel that strongly about one bet, you try to win one bet. You don't try to win three or one so it's out. It's not of about three. diversification in that sense when you feel really good about one side of the bet and then trying to hit one of the top three. Because, like you say, there's always teams in every sport that you know are not. Like, I think in the NFC, we know basically who the contenders are, who we think have legitimate shots at the Super Bowl. You know, I don't I don't know how often we get surprised in the Super Bowl Not often. I mean, most of the time it's pretty much who we think or at least some combination of those teams for the most. No, that's not true at all. That is not oh, true wait a minute. Hold on a second. Everybody was thinking about the Rams two years ago and the Rams got in there. They played the Saints in the in the uh, championship game and everybody was picking the Saints to go to the Super Bowl that year, including me. The Patriots are were always that perennial team that everybody thought was going to get in there. Uh, they've had right. numerous years where the Pittsburgh Steelers are always in the playoffs. Uh, but I'm just thinking about like the you teams said the Super Bowl. What I'm saying is if you can narrow down the two or three teams that you know are going to be in the playoffs and you take a couple shots on them, I'm just asking a question if it makes sense yeah, to no, diversify it on sense. one end of this bet. Okay. No, no, it's not what it is. It's not about in betting. It's not called diversifying. It's called hedging. And so what you would do is you would set yourself up for a hedge in case, let's let's say you really like, uh, is it the Ravens? Let's say you really like the Ravens. You would have to find yourself a bet that hedges you to the point where, well, what if it's just specifically the Ravens don't get there? Who is that other team that would replace them with? So you would bet the Ravens to win it all. And then what you would do is you would take whoever you like in the NFC along with the Chiefs. Good. See, this is why I ask these questions, because I think it helps everybody out there. If you think the Chiefs are second, I don't know if you think the Chiefs are second. But assuming you think the Chiefs are second, I think that there's no chance the Chiefs play the Ravens in the AFC championship. It is too easy to think that. Not going to happen. Never happens like that. But if you did think that, you would t- if you believed, oh, I definitely love the Ravens and I think the Chiefs are second, you would take the Ravens to win it all. And then your long shot bet would be the team that you like in the NFC against uh, Kansas City. And then this way, if you feel so confident about it, then you'd get one of the two right. But there's also a chance you get nothing right. And that's right. That's why it's so difficult to that's it's so difficult to do. Um, OK, let's uh, quickly dive into uh, the NFL futures odds on making the playoffs. And the one team that we're going to focus on today 
is the Arizona Cardinals. If you bet $100 on the Cardinals to make the playoffs and they get in, you will get $240 back. Uh, the more likely scenario, at least according to FanDuel and pretty heavily, is there's minus 310 to not make the playoffs. And I can certainly understand that because I think that for sure there are a lot of better teams in the NFC uh, than Arizona. They're going to have to win some big games to get in. So, uh, Joe, is it worth throwing $100 or taking a shot, trying to win the 240? You're certainly not going to bet the no here, minus 310. That's just throwing money away. So it's either taking a shot with them making it or passing. Man, I'd love to go on in this, but I just don't think the defense is ready yet. And that's my thing. I think they are going to contend. I think they're going to be really close. And look, they very well might get in. This one of those last day of the season kind of deals where there's a tiebreaker or something like that. I think they're going to be that kind of a competitive team this year. But I just don't know if the defense is ready to get them in the playoffs. And they are still looking up in that division. And I think that's where I struggle, too, because if I like the Seahawks and I think the 49ers are still good defensively, well, then that's really tough for three teams in the same division to make the playoffs. That happens, but rarely. So I'm probably going to pass on this one. Yeah, the other part of this, too, is that uh, they haven't made the playoffs in four years so, and, and although they did win a playoff game the last time they were in the playoffs, I was surprised to see that. I didn't even remember that, but they did. Uh, yeah, I mean, it seems to me like a little bit more of a long shot. There are, are some other teams in the league, uh, specifically the Lions is one team that when we get to them, I'll, I'll want to see what their odds are because I think that they were super unlucky last year in a lot of the games that they played, and I think they're going to be much better this year. All right, uh, coming up next, uh, some more football talk. Of course, we're still focusing on everything that's happening in baseball, the latest on the labor agreement, and that's coming up next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're watching SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Welcome back. Craig and Joe here with you. Of course, fantasy football season is fast approaching, and it looks like a fantasy baseball season is fast approaching as well as we get further clarity on the 2020 season, which certainly is upon us at this point. Uh, some final details to be worked out, but one detail that we can get into, Joe, before we talk some football here is the idea that now having some clarity on this, and uh, if you want to go back and hear our full discussion uh, on everything that we talked about with the baseball season, you can go back and watch On Demand uh, on our YouTube channel. We've spent a lot of time here on the show. You can um, rewind this thing back and hear it. Uh, to take the conversation a little bit further, Joe, we didn't focus all that much from the fantasy angle of this. Now that we know where we stand and we know more or less the amount of games and we know the start time with all of these you know, caveats of COVID, of course, let's not diminish that. Um, for yourself, what is the what is the number of of uh, leagues that you think that you're going to play in? How many do you think? Do you, do you think it is one? Do you think it is none? I mean, it may be none for you. I don't know. What do you think? Oh man, I, as I as I sent you that amazing article from the Onion yesterday, um, the legacy of the league commissioner hangs in the balance here of the fantasy baseball league commissioner. That's of course the commissioner. I mean. Uh, it's very difficult. Um, the, my favorite league is, of course, my home league that I run that has a great combination of, of old friends and new friends and actually some people from the industry as well. It's an all play points league that we run. And then we hit uh, once we hit the end of July, right after the all star break, we go into playoffs because okay. a lot of us do cover football. So now this is a whole new world that we're entering in. I'm going to propose in that format of head to head points that we basically run the all play the entire way through and then take the best two teams before the end of the season and try to get them in there and try to do okay. it that way. And if everyone says yes, then we do that. I and imagine, and then that'll be it. And I imagine yeah. labor and tout are just going to proceed with the teams that we've drafted. I do not see That's either. That's a great idea. I'm just saying, I, 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 I'm not saying it's a great idea. Did I say that? I said, I'm assuming they're just going to go forward with the teams that are drafted. Do you believe People are going to make a stink and or they are going to mandate a redraft on all these leagues. Of course they should. Of course they should. That's, That's not what I said. Should. should. No, 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 no. Will. 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 No, I know it's should. A, you know what? It's a great question. And 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 one of those I don't knows. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, 
it would be smart from a marketing standpoint for them to redo the drafts because all the heat that they got, everyone's dying for content right now, right? Every network, every radio station. I, I would, I, I'll tell you this. I would redo them, but I think that this is the mistake that they're going to make if they choose. <laughs> I, can okay. predict to, I, can, I can predict and tell you right now. Okay. They're going to redo them too soon. They're going to redo them too soon. I think that we should wait, let everyone get to spring training again, let them work out. Let's see if people like me are allowed back in. Let's find out what's going on. Let's, I mean, it's about content, but I don't think the masses are all going to be so focused on what Craig Mish thinks about fantasy baseball in 2020. It's just going to be doing it for fun because we all know that there's so much. Now, this, this season in particular is going to be so much luck involved. I would wait until like a week before it starts. Like I, I would really caution that because I think everyone's going to be so excited and they're going to do it. And then all of a sudden things are going to change again because we, there's a lot of things we don't even know, like who's healthy, who's hurt, who's going to pitch, who's going to be on the rosters. I think that we should wait for me. I'll, I'll do whatever is, is needed. I think that those leagues are a waste at this point. I don't think there's any reason to even pay attention to them. Honestly, See, I don't... That, that's funny that you say that because I look at it and I say to myself, well, do, knowing what we know, 60 games, whatever the number ends up being, we, we just kind of said, you know, in terms of who the best teams are, we have an idea. I think over the same amount of games, we have an idea who the best players are, who's having the best season from a pitching standpoint. It, it might get very strange, but I, I don't know. In season-long roto, I think this is far less of an issue than head-to-head leagues. In head-to-head formats, huge issue, enormous issue, very difficult to deal with. But in season-long roto, I mean, 60 games, 160 games? It's, it's, I, I completely disagree. I think that you're going to have wacky guys leading the league in home runs, wacky guys leading the league in steals, wacky guys leading the league in ERA and whip. I don't think that this is going to be even a semblance of what we know. Nothing close. Yeah, sure, Pete Alonso may lead the league in home runs in the NL, and we'll find five other things that we were like, wow, that really happened. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't put any credence into anything that anyone has said up until this point. And, and well, that what anyone would you has do? In, if you're running a league, you're a commissioner. Uh, would you be playing at what all? What kind of league? Uh, let's. Oh, start well, with... I can tell you. I am a commissioner. I'm a commissioner of an of a national league only league. Okay. The draft. The draft actually ran Saturday, like at seven in the morning. I pushed it all the way back. Forgot to stop it. And I'm getting texts. Are we drafting right now? I'm like, what? I looked at my phone. <laughs> Pause. I was like, no, we're not drafting right now. No, no, what, no. what I what I am planning on doing is approaching everyone, and um, and asking if they want to do it. And if they do, we will have it the night before, whenever the season exactly starts. On we'll do it the night before. They'll wow, be you're really nothing. pushing. Okay. Oh yeah, we're gonna because wait because you we'll hadn't play. drafted already. You people do not have teams. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. We wait. We always wait until the week before. In this case, I want to do it the night before, maybe two nights before. I will ask uh, for a very small uh, entry fee this year. And I think normally we do two hundred and fifty or three hundred. I will ask for like fifty. I think that that's that's because I, I don't think we're proving anything. A dollar for every game. <laughs> right there you go like maybe 60 maybe that's the number 65 i think that's the number and then uh and then we'll proceed and proceed with caution and and i'll and i'll also uh you know throw a caveat in there if anything gets canceled you know then that's then- that's the big thing and you know we haven't even bro- you know we haven't really broached that yet but here you go like you have all the best intentions for laying this out making the leagues better figuring out a way to do this equitably for everyone who's participating in the league, making it smart, all these things, right? And then it's kind of out of your hands because if they get 30 games into it and there's a massive outbreak and something happens, all of a sudden all this work you've done goes out the window. And I guess there's something to be said then for is it worth playing at all? And for people who decide to not play, I'm telling you this much, like I, because out of respect for people like Steve Gardner, out of respect for people who run Tout Wars, I like participating in those leagues. Whatever they decide to do, I will go along with. That's fine. But in my the only other league that I'm going to seriously partake in is my home league because it's mine. I run it. There's responsibility for it. And I love the format and I love the people in it. And it's a keeper league format with an auction. So it kind of – to just sit on it all together for a year is kind of crazy. But it, it is very difficult. And the best thing I can say to everybody – I'm going to talk about this on Diamond Bets on Sunday too. If you are in keeper leagues – with escalating contracts, you must freeze everything this year to be bumping up people one, three, five dollars, whatever the escalators are for whatever the contract you have on a player. That's madness. You should not be doing that because you did not own that player for a full season. And I do not think that's fair. Do you agree with that logic? You freeze all escalators for 2021? 
Uh, I, I sort of do, but but I would I would say that baseball. I mean, are, are we? And maybe it's completely different. And I do play in dynasty leagues, but you know, Mookie Betts is going to be a free agent, and Springer, you know, is going to be a free agent. They are getting their full year of service time. So, I mean, is there a middle ground for that, or no? I mean, I just don't think it's fair that you've made an investment in a player thinking you're going to get 162 games or a season or or you know, like I said, it's it also depends on what. Right. So what are the the Red Sox get back? What are the Red Sox? Well, I mean, I I mean, this is fantasy sports. I don't care what the Red Sox got out of it. Well, I mean, we try we try and and mirror reality as much as we can. We do. We do. But I and I and I think that in fantasy terms, I just I'm not saying not you. You know, if you made a trade for him, you're stuck with him, whatever it is. I'm just saying if you have escalating contracts, well, you understand, like in, in you know, auction leagues where you have that. So so, right. so, so let's say exactly hypothetically, good. let's say hypothetically you made a trade for a player in fantasy. Right. Let's say this, Mookie this, Betts cost you 50 bucks this year and next year he's going to cost you 55. I don't think. No, you let's not say that. Let's say let's use something different. Let's say that you made a trade with a commissioner in a dynasty league in February and you acquired a player and he was on the last year of his contract with you. What should you do? I mean, that that guy basically made a trade, and and now he got Mookie Betts for his 60 games of a fantasy season. That's different than what I'm talking about. I'm, you're, that's well, I'm asking you about for anything that's got expiring years on a contract. I think that you have to go by the years. But in terms of if you have like some leagues have limits, we can only hold a player for three years. Sorry, it's just bad luck, this like year, Major League Baseball. For the limit, okay. Right, but I'm just saying if you own players in a dynasty format where there's just escalators, and in dynasty you own them as long as you want or as long as you can structure your budget to own them, I don't think it's fair to put the escalator in for this year because you're not getting a full season. So I don't think it's I don't think it's a good practice. Basically, I'm just looking at it from a very pragmatic point of view. But on the other hand, if there's an expiring contract and it's a keeper league, not dynasty league format. Then I think you you hold true to whatever the contract was because when the trade was made, that was under the guidelines, just like in Major League Baseball. When the trade is made, and I'm with you, I do think fantasy should mirror our reality. Hell, that's why I keep pushing for Superflex because uh, Superflex should be our new standard of playing fantasy football. Why? Because the quarterback is the most important position in the NFL, and you only roster ten or twelve of them in most leagues. That's crazy. So going back to the baseball point, I I think that. For better or worse, unfortunately, in contracts, if it's expiring this year for a player, they go back into the pool next year. But escalators, I just don't see that being a smart way to treat the league because all of a sudden now you're moving everybody up an escalator, whether it be one, three, five, however the escalators work, and you've only gotten 60 games out of that player. That doesn't seem fair for everybody in the league, not just one person, one owner, one team, everybody in the league it doesn't seem fair for. I'm asking this legitimately. Is sure. the difference between keeper and dynasty those escalators? Is that what you're uh, talking it about? Be. Like it, it, it can because because I've played in dynasty leagues where there are no escalators at all. But is that well, considered the key difference? It depends on it depends on if it's snake leagues and auctions. See, there's so many different animals out there. If you're playing in an auction draft, you most of the time you have these escalators. Like I'm in a 24 team dynasty league with Scott White now Melchior and Nando and, and all those folks, right? And in that league, it's an auction draft every year. And then there's first year you give a player it's a dollar, third it's a second it's a three, five, et cetera, et cetera, right? So that is that format. Now there's some that do it by round. So you can keep this guy for whatever round you drafted him for X number of years. So there's so many weird little caveats that you can go through. But most of the time when you're doing an auction dynasty format, there are those escalators built in. If you're doing just a straight redraft snake draft kind of a scenario in dynasty and then that's – where you're at with your draft, then it's usually uh, a round value attached to that player. And when you have that, that's always going to stick. But those contracts that are expiring, if you can only keep players for three to five years, that I am perfectly fine with instituting for better or worse. Sorry, 2020 sucked. It kicked everybody in the nuts. Get sure. over it. Move on. But it's, it's it's specifically those auction ones because you budget for certain players. And that's something that I think everybody should get behind. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Craig and Joe here with you as we get ready to wrap up. Joe and I will be back tomorrow's show. More baseball talk, more fantasy baseball talk as we get ready for potentially a season coming up. Some really good news, uh, of course, coming down the pipeline. And uh, we want to focus on that. We haven't had a lot of good news for baseball 
in a while, but certainly we are uh, here at this point. But the other thing that has happened during this time is that we've seen a lot of retro television shows come back. Uh, Josh Gad, who is a great actor and, of course, was in the Frozen movies, has been doing a lot of these reunions. I know he did one with Back to the Future, and he did one with Ghostbusters, and and those were movies. But, Joe, it'd be interesting to dive in potentially back into even some TV shows that we used to like. I know we've been clamoring uh, for a lot of different reunions. Friends is one show in particular. I know that they were trying to get back together, and I think with the launching of NBC's new app, um, and their and their video, I think that will probably happen. I know the money is you know something they're going to fight over. <laughs> Enormous, but, <laughs> but but you know it'll happen. You know eventually. Uh, what would you, you know, root for? What well, it's funny because this all kind of spurred me thinking because I saw Thirty Rock was coming back to basically do a special where they were going for an hour to basically introduce the NBC upcoming slate of shows. So they were using the inside baseball of the network, the fake network that was running around in, in the fake NBC of 30 Rock in order to kind of do, you know, NBC propaganda. I thought that was a really clever plot device. Like, what a fun way to bring the characters back and kind of show some other shows that are going to be on the network. I thought that was cool. I was just trying to think outside the box here. I would love to see... Uh, you know, like I, I really enjoyed Big Bang Theory. I rewatched the whole series with my kids over the last year because they wanted to watch it from the beginning. And I think it, you know, the way they ended it last year, it was fun because they all had kids and that was the end of it. And for the most part anyway. And uh, I thought it'd be fun to kind of launch into the future with them, even if it's just a special of what their life is like with the children and how their children might be very different. Maybe they're not nerdy. Like maybe one of them becomes like a real jock kind of kid or something like that. I think that mm -hmm. would be a fun little dichotomy, especially with some of those characters. Like what if the Sheldon character and Amy, who are so brilliant, had a kid who, you know, just wanted to play football. Like that could be a very entertaining thing. Who's more like his brother, potentially. Uh, maybe it skips a generation. Uh, look, I can never get enough Game of Thrones. I know we are getting the Game of Thrones. Pre yeah, what's the deal with that? Yeah, what's what's, what's the story the with that? What's the deal with Game of? Well, we're I, getting. I heard. I heard. So I, I, I will saw somewhere. I'll give before, you the deal. Hold on, but I I saw somewhere that George R R Martin claimed that you could throw him off a bus or something if he didn't have something done by a certain time, and it's like next week or something like that. Something so like what, that. What, yeah, that's what was that's, that all about? That's the next book. He said they're in court. Oh, the next book. Finally finish okay. the book. But what did happen, and maybe you're confusing the two things, is they did actually shoot a pilot uh, last year for a, a different set of stories in Game of Thrones. Same world, same universe, different characters, different time frame. Uh, apparently, they brought it to HBO and they nixed it. Like they they shot the pilot, put all this money in. Naomi Watts was in it. All the you know some big time actors were in it. And HBO said, nope, this is not going to fly. And it said they turned around and got George R.R. R. Martin and another person together. And now they're going to tell that story, uh, which is the story of how Aegon, uh, how the Targaryens took over the throne in the first place, which is a fascinating story, which if you have, I think it's season six of the DVD, there is inside of it uh, an extra disc where they do basically an animated version of the story of the prequel of how the Iron Throne was made and how all the seven kingdoms came together. And it was so cool. And I kept thinking, well, geez, man, this is a lot cheaper to do an animated version. You know what? Like, like if they did Attack of the Clones in an animated version, why can't you do Game of Thrones in an anim cool animated series? I would watch that for sure. But you are getting that eventually. I just wish it was now. Uh, the Watchmen, probably the most relevant science fiction thing I've ever seen in my whole life. I mean, sci-fi in the sense of it's superhero kind of stuff. It's things that are a little larger than life. But the relevancy of right now, if you've watched The Watchmen, you know what I'm talking about. I never wanted the second season. I don't need a second season. It was perfect as it was. They have no plans. However, under what's going on now, I almost feel like it might be kind of interesting to explore that idea. And the last one, which, man, sign me up for this. I wanted one more season of Eastbound and Down because I just love Righteous Gemstones so damn much. It was so damn entertaining and so funny. But this time, Kenny Powers is the commissioner of baseball. Can we get Kenny P as the commissioner of baseball? Dollar dollar bills, y'all. I think well, he, that would be great television. You have Brockmeyer, Hank Azaria. He's the commissioner I, of baseball. Uh, is, is he now in the series? He's he's commissioner. No, the series is over, but yeah, he. Uh, oh, I didn't he know that's how it ended. I never yeah. got into Brockmeyer. It, it was, was very funny. Yeah, it was very funny. I, the last season wasn't that good, but most of the seasons were really funny, I thought. Okay. There you yeah. go. All yeah. right. So do you have any for you, Craig, that you think uh, that might be? Uh, yeah, I, I have a few. I do okay. have a few. Uh, the Shield in particular. Ah, uh, Michael Chiklis. 
One of the best shows. I think maybe my favorite like action drama show of all time. Great show. And it, it had a great ending, but it had an ending that they could have continued as well. So uh, that would be one show that um, that I would I was really I really enjoyed, and it was before binging and all of that. I think You're right. Know. You it was right before it was on FX. It was one of the first shows on FX when Fox kind of launched it. it. I think I had to watch it and like I'm I sure you yard it, but I don't think that I I that binged. was still when seasons were coming out in DVD where you could like buy the DVDs and watch a whole season at a clip, or people would borrow them. But dude, you nailed it. That was right before I think the Netflix binging peak yeah. started happening. And had that show been around, I think during that period, but it would have had a bigger, a bigger response. But but it, to me, it was it was one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. Um, uh, Sopranos is another one. I know they are doing a, a prequel uh, with uh, Tony Soprano's uh, 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 James Gandolfini's son as as playing uh, a young him. Mm -hmm. So that's something. But you know, I felt I don't care what anybody says. I felt like that was a horrible ending, and really, we needed more clarity. I just, I really felt like there was more to it. And kind of like they did Breaking Bad, they, I thought, I felt, felt they could have done a two-hour movie. I know it's probably too late at this point because James Gandolfini passed away, but I, I, I really felt unfulfilled there. I'd like to see that back. You're not the only one. I, I did not think I that was I don't know how it. anybody could have thought, and, and people could actually justify, oh, you know, it was the perfect ending. I'm like, wow. Like, I mean, I just didn't see it that way at all. Uh, and then my favorite comedy would be Cheers. And, and I would... You know, I mean, you could bring them all back. Like, they're all still alive. I think that the comedy would hold up. It was a lot of canned laughter, a lot of one-liners. But the show holds up today. It's still funny if you go back and you watch mm -hmm. the rerun. Because it's not... I mean, the, the show is sort of like in two-minute clips. It's like a lot of things are happening at once, and there's just all jokes. It's just they're mm -hmm. constantly ripping on each other, telling jokes. And it's like... I feel like that would be good today too, but um, that would be one. And then the the other <laughs> Those one. Are, hold on, like, cheers. There's a lot of personalities to get in that room. You got to Kirstie Alley in that room. You got to get Crazy yeah. Shelley Long in that room. I mean, Woody Harrelson yep. and all oh, his madness. I mean, uh, what's his name too? Kelsey Grammer too. You have to get him. <laughs> There's not? the only person who's not in that who's not alive is Coach, right? Everybody else yeah. is still around. Yeah, everybody. And Ratzenberger, that's another strange character. Boy, yeah, the the real life versions of those people are way stranger than the characters. They're even. running out of time because there's not a lot of people who are going to remember that show in five years from now. Like it's it's I mean it's all for us basically the yeah. forty or forty and up crowd. So, and then the other show that's interesting is that my wife approached me yesterday and she it was so funny. She says, "Oh my gosh, I heard about this great show." on, uh, I think, is it on Netflix? I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, I heard about this great show on Netflix. You've probably never seen it, but I think that we should make it a thing and we should watch it together. And, and she's like, what? House of Cards. I'm like, oh. House of Cards. I'm like, I've seen all seven seasons of House. Yeah. She's like, what? When? Wait, when? How, does that even, how does that happen in your house where you've seen all seven seasons and she's never heard of the show? I, I just would be sitting and watching on the iPad or, or, or TV. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't honestly don't pay attention to what she watches, like all these housewives show. I couldn't tell you one thing about it, but she knows all of them, Atlanta, L.A. and New York and Miami. And there's a So you're watching House of Cards with the earphones in while she's watching uh, Housewives of Atlanta. Yeah. That, and that's why you're still married. See, there you go. Like everybody just agrees to disagree um, and have their own space on that. So yeah, and I and like she's watches like uh, Andy Cohen shows and all and all that. Like I I couldn't tell you what's on there or whatever, but every time she's that's what she's watching. I'm like I am not interested in this, but there's no argument. Now, like, I did not finish House of Cards. I, okay, I there's no reason to. That's, that's what I hear. But that's the point. But mm -hmm. that is the point. And the point that I tried to now first of all, this is a touchy subject. Because uh, Kevin Spacey, what he did is absolutely horrible, obviously, huh? and um, and deserves everything that happened to him. But if there, but but if there is forgiveness for Kevin Spacey one day, he was a great actor on that show. Oh, 100 percent. He was fantastic, and I'm a great actor. Period. He was a great actor I, to work with. He's a fantastic actor. I would have loved to see him finish that show it, the last season was so bad well it's a shame because robin wright is so good in it as well awesome. like she's awesome you know but the problem with that show joe is that after you and let let's say the, it's like okay it's, it's not as good as game of thrones obviously so it's maybe no but the problem with that show i think is what made it so great is it was about the hunt and then once you get him to be where he is in the show, it's almost like anticlimactic because it was about it's about the rise of ambition and then when you become the king 
I feel like it's always the less. The first two years well, were as good as any show on 100%. television or Netflix. Um, three was okay. It started to die. one one year. Four bounced back. Yeah. Actually, I think yeah, four was good. Three, three, right, three was bad. Four was good. Four was and good. And then that and then that was it in the last That's season. Where I I'm sorry, guys. It was just it was unwatchable. And you know what you had to do after watching five seasons? What did you have to? You had to watch it just to see, you know, how it was right. going. And then I'm and I'm watching it. I, I probably was looking at something else at the time, just being like, please end this thing. So, the, but that's the the positive part about that is that um, I can start watching it now. So my wife and I are going to start watching this show, House of Cards. And I know she's gonna love it because she loves this crazy drama stuff. But the good thing is, is that I can skip an episode or two mm-hmm. because I've already seen it. So that's sort of the agreement that we have. Long story short, House of Cards. If Kevin Spacey ever in his life uh, gets it together, I would like to see him back in that role, maybe in a prequel or maybe finishing off a show. I mean, they, he they killed him off, but or maybe in a show. Um, I think you'll. Like, I I think somehow he will work again. I think you know there. Look, you know, people make bad decisions, and and people should have to deal with those decisions. And I had personal dealings with Kevin Spacey in my career more than once. Uh, when I was an actor, he was actually one of our professors who came in and did some Shakespeare workshop stuff with us. And he was incredibly likable and funny and and wonderful with all the students and took time with them. And, and I don't mean in a you know, derogatory way. I mean, like he was there for you as a teacher. And uh, I remember then seeing him in Iceman Cometh and uh, in on you know, Broadway. And I remember, you know, a bunch of, of people were waiting for him after the show. And he remembered us all from school. And he was like, oh, my gosh. And he signed all of our stuff. And he was just so kind to us and and thanked us for coming to see the show and all those things. And a wonderful actor. And again, you, just like you deal with these people, you have sometimes you have deals with people. And you're like, wow, that guy. And it's just a strange thing. But you know what? You just don't know what goes on with yeah, uh, closed doors and, and private nope. lives, unfortunately. Nope, you don't. But uh, that would be the extra show that I would throw in there. But I'll go Shield. Cheers. Shield is uh, a Sopranos great one, man. And three. Walter yeah. Goggins is so great. Oh, he really Walter is. Goggins. Everything that he, he How great is he in Righteous Gemstones? People, he's Uncle great Dave in that. Billy, what a character. Go watch it. Yep. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for our show. Thank you to Brett, Danny, and Ryan for putting it together. And for my uh, co-host, Joe Pizzapia, thank you guys so much for watching. We're back again on tomorrow's show. Hope you have a great day and uh, enjoy the rest of your night. Talk to you soon. Bye. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.